Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, we're, we're kind of ending a two-week uh, mini-series talking about the Holy Spirit today. And uh, years ago, I was challenged with this notion. It's kind of been this prevailing idea of why I have lived my life as a follower of Christ with this sense that I need, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And I use that very intentionally. I need, N-E-E-D, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. And I kind of put it out in words. I don't want to live my life in such a way that the best that I can do is the best that I can do. I know, let's kind of play on words it sounds like. And it also sounds like I'm downplaying somebody trying their best. That's not what I'm saying here. Let me explain. When I don't pray, okay, when I don't pray, I limit my life to the best that I can do. But when I pray, I invite God into this, into my life. I invite God into the equation. Now, it's no longer the best that I can do. It's the best that God can do through me. When I don't live generously, then the best that I can do is limited to what I have in my possession, in my hands. It's limited to my ingenuity. It's limited to my abilities. But when I choose to live generously, when I choose to give sacrificially, then what's happening is I invite God into my finances. And now it's not limited to just what I have. It's what really, it's now responsive to what I have given over to God. God then can multiply it. It's no longer the best that I can do. It's now the best that God can do through me. You see, I think sin in its most fundamental form is saying to God, thanks, but no thanks. I've got this. I can handle this on my own. I've got the education. I've got the skills. And it's interesting that the more advanced that we become, you know, the more uh, professional we are, the higher level of, of academics that we achieve, the more this kind of prevails, the more we feel like we've figured life out. And so, hey, God, you're good. It's a nice feeling to have when I come to church. It's nice to know that I'm a part of a faith community and my soul in heaven one day is going to be secure. But as far as this world and operating in this life, thank you, but no thank you. And when we do that, we limit our life to the best that we can possibly do. One of the ways that we're able to live beyond our own abilities by inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives, by living a life That's beyond our ability because the Holy Spirit is at work guiding us, leading us, inspiring us, giving us direction and vision. Last week I talked about how the Holy Spirit empowers us and how Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So this passage that we're going to read today is is, is that experience. In Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Let me just give you a little bit of background here. This is 50 days after Jesus has been crucified. So Jesus was crucified, 
appeared to his disciples for about 40 days, was taken up into heaven. Then he told them, wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with, with power. And so they waited about 10 days, and then this happens. This is why it's called Pentecost. It's 50 days after Passover. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. This is kind of where we got the idea of this theme for this year, lift the sails and catch the wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Like something happened. They experienced something. The Holy Spirit came and filled them. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And I suggest to you that this passage that we're reading here is really about this idea that I said, I don't want to live, I don't want to live in such a way that the best that I can do is the best that I can do. But this is really, God gives this to us as a gift so that we cannot be limited to our own ingenuity, to our own abilities, that we can actually experience God's power and live in God's power. It goes on in verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, <clears throat> Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, which by the way, you know, as you're reading this, as I'm reading this, you could just tell, this is like history, like a history book, right? It's like they're telling facts of sometimes, this stuff, you don't make these kind of things up, right? They're actually talking about geographic locations. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We, um, my family and I, we went to Bangladesh. We served in Bangladesh as missionaries. We, uh, we left, we flew out March of 1993 out of uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. So we were in Dallas-Fort Worth to Los Angeles, Los Angeles to Tokyo, Tokyo to Bangkok, a total of about 20 hours in an, in an aircraft. At that time, we had a four-year-old son, a two-year-old son, and a four-month-old son. So you can imagine that was, that was chaos on that plane. Now, I have to admit, my wife is sitting here, I have to admit that I probably slept a lot and watched movies, and she probably felt like it was chaos on the plane. So she probably, she probably did most of the chasing and all that stuff. And fortunately, we were on Thai Airways, and Thai Airways, you know, the, the flight attendants were really kind to our kids and allowed them to do some things that you normally today you cannot do on an aircraft. But, um, but it was fun. So we get to Bangkok, and we arrive in Bangkok. We can't fly on to Dhaka, Bangladesh, because the flight is in the afternoon, and we were too late to actually get on the next flight. So we spent the night in Bangkok. Well, that night in the hotel room, we take Josh's, our son Josh's diaper off. He's two years old. And we discover that he has chicken pox. Is that right? Is that what he had? Chicken pox. And, uh, and the first thing that, we, that we're thinking is, okay, we're getting on that flight tomorrow to Bangladesh because we are not staying in Bangkok, you know. We are going to Dhaka, you know. That's how we were thinking. So, so she sends me out to go find medicine, some kind of medicine, to, maybe for fever and, and also, you know, to kind of maybe take away some of the itchiness or whatever. And so I get out there on the streets of Bangkok looking for a pharmacy, 
And very quickly, I realized that in Thailand, very few people speak English. So I'm walking around Thailand and say, you speak English? Nah, you know, they would you know, do this and apologize that they don't. And so I'm kind of trying to find this pharmacy, and I can't, you know, I can't find a pharmacy. I'm walking up and down these streets looking for a pharmacy, can't find one. And, uh, and then I see this, this like, Western couple, uh, you know, like, like me, that look like me on the other side of, the, of this road, like eight lanes, four and four on the other side of this road. And I see them at a distance, I'm thinking, maybe they know, you know. So I, ch- Bangkok, mega city, you know, I'm chasing down some, some Westerners on this ma- uh, major thoroughfare. Cross the street, get to walk up to them and say, hey, the first question I asked, hey, do you speak English? And so they were German, so of course they spoke English. <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody, it's, it's funny how everybody speaks more than one language around the world, except in certain places. Um, <clears throat> and, so, and so, you know, I ask, uh, do you know about pharmacies? Do you know anything? Oh, we're just tourists here. We just got here yesterday. We don't really know anything. So again, struck out. I'm looking and looking, and finally I'm walking on this road, and I see a little, like a storefront, a door that had this green cross on, painted on it, and then like tinted windows, and it had like Thai writing, and I didn't really understand the Thai writing, but I saw the green cross, I thought, I wonder if that's like some kind of medical place. So I go in, and sure enough, it was a pharmacy. You have to knock, and they open the door. And so I go in, and I'm like trying to, again, nobody speaks English, so I'm doing this whole chicken thing, you know, pox, pox, you know, and I'm making all kinds of motions, trying to express to them that my son has chicken pox, and I need I need medicine. And they were just sitting there, just little ladies, just laughing, <laughs> laughing at me, doing all the crazy motions, whatnot. And um, so I left, and I, I left kind of defeated, went back to the hotel room, told Chrissy, sorry, Chrissy, I can't find a single thing. And for the first time in my life, I was wishing for something I had only ever took for granted, someone who spoke English. I'm saying all this to help you imagine how these pilgrims are feeling in Jerusalem. They're from all over the world. And now they're in Jerusalem. They have maybe a working knowledge of Hebrew. They don't really know it very well, enough to, you know, quote some prayers and some scripture, but not, not fluent. And then really the, the, the language of the day was Aramaic, so they didn't know that either. They probably spoke some Greek, and then they spoke their native tongues. So just imagine that there's these pilgrims that are in Jerusalem and they're walking around, they're like disoriented like me, walking, trying to figure things out, when suddenly they hear somebody speaking in their native language. And it catches their attention. First, there's a sense of relief because they can understand, but then there's a shock because of what they're hearing being said. Verse 12 says this, they stood there amazed and perplexed. Here's the words that I'm using today. Amazed and perplexed. They stood there amazed and perplexed. <clears throat> what can this mean? Stuff that they're hearing. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, ah, they're just drunk. That's all. You know, whenever we experience the miraculous or the mysterious, the incomprehensible, I think we feel tempted to do exactly what these mockers did. Right? We try to come up with a human explanation for something supernatural. They're just drunk. And if we're completely honest, I think many of us, we'd rather have an understandable explanation that's not true than a true explanation that's not fully understandable. That's what's happening here. 
And because of that, we never live beyond our own abilities. That's why the Holy Spirit came. So here's what happens. I think that when we are faced with the supernatural, when we're faced with some of the things that we just don't fully understand, we really have two choices. Either we can downgrade our theology, like we can say, well, you know, let me just kind of explain this away. Let me figure this out. Or we have another option. We can upgrade our experience. And this is what we see here, right? This has happened since the very beginning. We, people downgrade the third front since the very People have been trying to make God in their own image. They don't, it's so, it's so inconceivable. Things are so, so far beyond them, beyond their intelligence, beyond their ability to understand that they try to manufacture this God into an image of something that they can comprehend, something that they can understand. And the end result is a God who's comprehensible, who's controllable, who fits in nice little category, who shockingly looks a lot like us. So there's a lot of faith where we worship ourselves. And yet we are called to worship the God of the universe. I think speaking in tongues is one of those, is an example of that. In the scriptures, it was normative. In the scriptures, people spoke in tongues. It's not so normal today. Healing is the same thing. It was normative in the scriptures, and yet it's not so normal today. Miracles, normative, not so normal today, right? I think what's happened is that many of us have this kind of cut and paste type of faith. We take verses that we can't comprehend, we ignore them, or we basically explain them away, rationalize them, and our God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so some people here in this story, they mocked the apostles. They said they're just drunk. But others says they were amazed and perplexed. Like something amazing was happening, and they were a little bit confused, but there was something amazing happening. It caught their attention. It caught their hearts. They were drawn to it. And so you see this throughout the book of Acts. After the infilling of the Holy Spirit, all kinds of amazing and perplexing things happen, right? People who are paralyzed are miraculously healed. People begin speaking in tongues. There's people who drop dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Others are raised back to life. There's this angelic jailbreak. There's these divine appointments. There's these supernatural signs. Some pretty crazy things were happening. And so if you're here and you are looking for a faith that is comprehensible, that is fully explainable, that your mind can basically fathom all of it, then asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit may be a bad idea. But, if you want to be amazed and perplexed, then why not pray that prayer that we were asking to pray last night? Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. I welcome you into my life. I want you to be my closest friend. And we sincerely pray that prayer. God will be there. So here's the question. Are you willing to be amazed and perplexed? Are you willing to be amazed and perplexed? Now, most of us, we don't, we don't mind being amazed, Right? Like, uh, you probably even pray that. You're like, God, will you amaze me this week with my paycheck? <laughs> As we, we like being amazed. We like to experience the great things that God, the blessings that God has for us, the things that God wants to do. And we, we want God to amaze us in that way. But we can do without the perplexing. The things that are confusing, we're not sure about that, right? We don't pray things like, God, I haven't been confused lately. Can you confuse me? <laughs> I haven't been too, you know, I've been, I've been a little bit, you know, kind of 
to, in my right mind, and now I just need you to kind of perplex me a little bit. We don't, it's just not, the, it's not human nature for us to feel that way. And so I think many of us, we want to be amazed, but we, we can do without the, the perplexing. Like we want to experience success, but we don't want to sacrifice. That, that's good. I mean, I want success, but if it's going to cost me something, I'm not sure I want it. I want love, but not necessarily pain. We want to experience adventure, but we don't really want to risk. We don't want to, we don't want to you know, lose out. And so we want to be amazed, but not necessarily perplexed. And I think that at some point, that's the obstacle to continued spiritual growth, an unwillingness to be amazed and perplexed. This year we kicked off, when we kicked off this, uh, this theme this year, lift the sails and catch the wind. <clears throat> The Lord really spoke to me very clearly about, just gave me a word uh, in regards to this. Um, Rich, the wind blows wherever it wants. You're going to have to be good with that. That's the word that God spoke to me. And I needed to hear that, and I still need to hear it regularly, because I'm a spreadsheet kind of guy. Like, I like to lay things out. I like to plan. I like to, you know, you can ask our board when we, when, 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 when there's a big, you know, financial decision needs to be made, I come in kind of prepared with all the angles <laughs> and all the stats. We're going to make sure that we have this all put together. I'm that way. I'm not, I'm, I don't like it when I'm not prepared for something. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is just speaking clear to me. He's rich. The wind blows where it wants, and you're going to have to be good with that. Now, I realize that this topic for some of you is kind of new. I realize that some of you have not really experienced this before. Maybe you've not been taught this before. Maybe, maybe you might be here right now, you're just a little weirded out about what we're talking about. I get that. Been there. Let me just start by saying that I, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I, I speak and I have a prayer language of speaking tongues. But it wasn't always that way. I remember when... When I first got invited to church or went to church, I was a, a, a senior in high school. My mother, single mom of five boys, was walking down this road, and she saw a little sign that said, Memorial Assembly of God, and she said, we're going to church there Sunday. And my first reaction was, what? Church? We're not church people. We don't go to church. We do other things on Sunday, not church, you know? But my mom was like, nope, we're going to go to church. So we ended up at this little Assembly of God church, and I have to be honest with you, I was weirded out from the moment it started. You know, first of all, I had never been in a church where it was, you know, because I kind of grew up Catholic, so I'd never been in a church where there was people that were just expressive and talking, so people with their hands raised and singing out loud and, you know, messaging tongues, and there was a lady, I was like literally weirded out by the lady sitting directly in front of us who actually became a beautiful soul that I wouldn't be saved today if it wasn't for her. She's an older lady, but she had this bun, what they called a bun. It was like her hair was just straight up in the air, about, you know, eight, nine inches. A lot of pins and stuff, you know. And she's sitting directly in front of us, and, man, she got a little happy for a second there. And next thing you know, that thing was just shaking, you know. And all I could see was her hair shaking. I couldn't catch anything else. I didn't know what they were singing. I didn't know what else. I just saw the shaky hair, you know. And But Sister Slate became this beautiful soul in our lives, and... Like I said, I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for Sister Slate. And so after all of this, I went to my mom and I said, hey, mom, I don't, I don't like this place. I don't like what they're doing. 
I don't like that they raise their hands and sing and cry. What's up with that? You know, I don't like all that stuff. I don't want to go there. My mom, of course, she's a typical Latina mom. She's like, well, tough. <laughs> You're going to go, you know. And, um, and so, uh, but, but here's the deal. I, I, I kind of rationalize that. It's like, well, at, at least there's pretty girls there. <laughs> so I could just at least go for that, you know. I'll just kind of scope it all out, you know, and whatever. And as time went on, I began to read the scriptures, and I realized that a lot of what these people were practicing and believing were stuff that was found in the Bible. And suddenly I came to this crisis. It's, I was, it be, it's boiled down to an issue of the will for me. The question was, am I going to downgrade my theology or am I going to upgrade my experience? And so way back then, I remember finally saying, okay, Lord, that prayer, Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. I want you to be my closest friend. I want to experience you. I began to pray that, and I began to experience the Holy Spirit in my life. That was 41 years ago. And that work continues even today. There's something about the Holy Spirit. So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us? I'm going to outline six manifestations. Listen, this is not an exhaustive list, so please don't email me and say, Rich, you, you missed this one or you missed that one, okay? It's not the point here. I just want to give you a little bit of a sampling of what the Holy Spirit does and how the Holy Spirit does want to work through us and in us so that the best that I can do is not the best that I can do, but the best that God can do through me. Amen? First thing is supernatural boldness. Several times in the book of Acts, you find the disciples operated in a supernatural boldness. The Apostle Peter, for example, is a good example of this. When Jesus was being crucified, um, a teenage girl walks up and says, hey, you, you got that, that rogue accent from Galilee. You must be one of his followers. And, and Peter, he's the man of God that he was, he began to curse. And he's like, I don't even know the guy. Like, I don't even know who Jesus is. Basically denies Jesus. Fast forward 50 days and Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And after the infilling, the people are asking, what is this all about? Peter stands up and with boldness declares a very powerful message. And he points the leaders out. You crucified him. This is something that was not self-done. Peter did not, was not, up. his natural tendency was to basically cower at a teenage girl. That was his natural tendency. But the Holy Spirit comes in and he gives him supernatural boldness. There's a pastor by the name of Medidibaj. He's Iranian, or was Iranian. In my office, I have a little pamphlet with his picture, this, this man right here, with his picture and his testimony, his court testimony. He, um, he uh, grew up in a Muslim home. Over time, became a follower of Jesus Christ, just met Jesus, fell in love with Jesus, started serving him. I actually, we actually know the missionaries that led him to the Lord, uh, the Bliss family. And so Medidibah started following Christ. After a while, they arrested him and they accused him of apostasy, not believing in the faith. And so he spent nine years in prison. After nine years, he went to trial um, with the Islamic courts there. And if you read his testimony, it is powerful. He boldly gets up and says, this is what I believe. 
And it's, it's compelling. It's not, just, it's not just in your face kind of thing. It's not that kind of boldness. It's this compelling boldness. It's like him saying, I have experienced this. God is so real. And you just need to know, I am not going to recant. You've asked me to recant. You've asked me to give up my Christian faith and to become, you know, become a Muslim. But I cannot do that. Powerful testimony. Nine months later, he was murdered. I don't desire any of that for us. But there's a supernatural boldness that comes when the Holy Spirit fills us. And maybe if you're in life right now, you're struggling to live, live your faith out. Maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Another, another manifestation is a supernatural generosity. In Acts 4, it says that they sold their possessions and they gave it to the poor. Like they basically... They get filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly they become hyper-aware of needs around them. They become hyper-aware that the money that they have, the gifts that they have, the things that they have are actually God's in the first place, not theirs, and that God has given it to them for a purpose and for a reason, and they start leveraging for others. Supernatural generosity occurs. Another manifestation is supernatural healings. I've experienced this many times. Some of you have experienced this as well. In fact, we've heard story after story of that, of people who have been healed. Just this past week, on Monday night, um, in our Wilton campus, they, they have, uh, like we have Wednesday night prayer here, they have Monday night prayer over there. And uh, they were gathering, and there's a, a, one of our leaders there, Carlos Gaona, had come to, uh, to the prayer and was struggling with something. He often struggles with Bell's palsy, where his eye droops and his face kind of droops. And uh, so they said, we're, we're going to pray for you. And they started praying for him. And some other manifestations started happening. It was like there was some real cleansing happening inside of him. God was just doing some, some emotional, spiritual healing in him. But then when he finally, and he literally, I don't, didn't, didn't say this first service, but he actually vomited. And then after that, he was, felt good. And everybody looked at him and was like, whoa. Your eyes straight. Your face is back straight. It just happened instantly. Supernatural healing can happen as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Supernatural dreams is another manifestation. Acts 2.17 says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. One of the marks of a spirit-filled life is the ability to dream big. To dream big. You see, when we trust in our own ingenuity, when we trust in our own resources, when we trust in our own ability, they just run out. They run out. There's not enough of it. Our, we, you know, our time gets exhausted. Our talents even fall short. And consequently, what happens is our dreams become very short-sighted. But when the Holy Spirit steps into that equation, suddenly we can dream God-sized dreams. So a mantra that we use around here every once in a while that we will say, we'll say, go after something so big that it's destined to fail unless God intervenes. Some of you have heard me say that before. Go after something so big that it's destined to fail unless God intervenes. My prayer for us as a church is that we will begin to dream big. That in our spirit and in our heart, God begins to move us in such a way that we believe that thousands upon thousands of people in Johnson County, in Lynn County, in Muscatine County come to know Jesus Christ. That can happen. Because it's not in our ability to make it happen. It's God working through us. Amen? <clears throat> Another manifestation is supernatural wisdom. There are moments through the book of Acts where you find these early disciples leaning into the Holy Spirit, God giving them wisdom beyond their ability. 
Acts 15, I talked about it last week. Acts 15 is a prime example of this. In Acts 15, the church is primarily made up of Jewish believers who practice Judaism and they are followers of Jesus Christ. And they're very happy with that. It's complete, it's satisfying for them. But now they're posed with a new question. There are new believers that do not practice Judaism but are believers in Jesus Christ. What should we do? And the knee-jerk reaction to that is basically, no, they have to become Jews before they become Christians. That's, the, that's, the, that's what naturally they would feel like. That would be within their abilities. Just tell them to do this and tell them to do that and tell them to do this and follow the rituals and laws and then believe in Jesus, they will be part of the community. But they pray and the Holy Spirit speaks to them. And remember that verse? It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to include them into the community. You and I should be thankful for that because you and I represent that community that would have been excluded otherwise. Supernatural wisdom comes through a life with the Holy Spirit. And the last manifestation I want to talk about is supernatural language. God enabled them to speak in a language that they had not learned. Now, you can read about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. I encourage you to go do that. In fact, this series is really just a teaser for you to explore this idea more. And especially this gift of tongues as we talk about it. Um, it, it I'm still perplexed by it sometimes. Like I'm thinking, God, why, 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 why wouldn't you just do something a little bit different? Why tongues? It just seems so out of the ordinary. And yet... That's what God chose, right? And I find myself perplexed. Sometimes, in fact, I, you know, I hear a message in tongues and I'm thinking, okay, that, thank you for speaking in tongues, but that, just, that seems like late night burritos more than the spirit of God there. But then there's been these moments where the presence of God has been so thick where somebody speaks in a message in tongues and you just know you just know that God, God is speaking. I love those moments. I love those moments. I'm thankful for the prayer language that I have. And I'm thankful because there have been times where I just didn't know, didn't know what to pray. Where I felt pressure from every side. I could tell you story after story where I felt all kinds of pressure. And I just was confused. I didn't know, I didn't know even how to pray. And in that moment, I began to, I had this ability to begin to pray in the spirit. And this peace that overwhelms me, God begins to speak. God begins to give clarity and direction in those moments. In Romans 8, verse 26, it says this. Paul's kind of explaining. He says, and the Holy Spirit, okay, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we, you and I, feel like, no, 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 I don't want to be weak. I'm going to, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to do this in my own strength. I've got this all figured out, this faith thing. I'm just going to follow the rules. If I could just follow the rules of faith, I'm great. You're kind of saying, Holy Spirit, I don't need you. So there's something about us saying, okay, I yield. I'm weak. I really don't understand. I don't know. I'm not even sure how to pray. And so you're inviting the Holy Spirit in to help you. Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Like we're not sure. We're a little bit 
we don't we know we need to pray, but we don't know what we pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Last week I appealed to you to pray daily that prayer. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. Holy Spirit, I want to know you personally. I want you, I welcome you into my life. I want you to be my closest friend. And if you pray that, then let me tell you something. You are well on your way to where you're living a life where the best that you can do is not the best that you can do, but the best that God can do through you. It's about inviting the Holy Spirit in. Inviting the Holy Spirit in. You know, my prayer for us as a church is that we would never squelch or stifle the Holy Spirit. That we would never put out the Holy Spirit's fire, that we would lift our sails and catch the wind and let the Holy Spirit take us where he wants us to go. That's my prayer for us as a church. I don't ever want to restrict the Holy Spirit to the boundaries of my comfort zone. May we never tie up the Holy Spirit with our traditions. May we never limit the Holy Spirit with our personal preferences. May we never squelch the Holy Spirit with our secret sin. May we never stifle the Holy Spirit with our self-help approach. May we never inhibit the Holy Spirit with our inhibitions in worship. May we never confine the Holy Spirit to something called a building. May the wind blow May the fire burn. Holy Spirit, come. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. I could tell you moments in my own life where clearly, I mean, this is one, being the pastor of this church was a, it was a, it was a Holy Spirit direction thing. We were happy. Happy in California. (laughs) And God began to stir us about planting a church. We didn't know exactly where. And a set of divine circumstances occurred where a a friend, you know, I, I was putting some resumes out for pastoring and I was looking at Texas and Louisiana because we have family in Texas and Louisiana. And a friend of mine, I, who was a pastor, I said, hey, look over this, inter- this, uh, this resume. I've never done a resume for pastoring before, you know? And so uh, I sent it to him, and he didn't ask me. He just basically forwarded it on to our people here in, in Iowa. And so I'm sitting at a, at, a, at a football, Pop Warner football game, watching my son play, and I get a phone call from Iowa, superintendent saying, hey, Pastor Rich, this is... Uh, Richard Arrowwood, superintendent. I've got Glenn Reynolds here and another pastor. And we received your application. <laughs> like, what application? <laughs> Where's Iowa anyway? Is that the potato state? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and we got that and had that interview. And honestly, everything inside of me was like, no, I'm not. I, I'm 41 years old. I don't want to plant a church. No way. It's too much work. I've done that before. <laughs> You know, God put me in jail once and made me plant a church. <laughs> That's how I felt. <clears throat> but then we'd pray about it and God would just begin to speak and say, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. And so in 2005, we moved here. I tell you, every bit of that, 
I look now at my own life and I think, I, can't, I couldn't have manufactured this. I couldn't have 40 years ago when I first became a follower of Christ said, hey, this is what I'm going to do, then this and then that and then this and then that and go, go so that I get to, to this place. I could not have done that. It's impossible. The only thing I could tell you is that I have tuned my ear into the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, lead me. Help me make wise choices every once in a while. I cover up my ears and I don't want to listen. But then I open them back up again and the Holy Spirit just leads us and guides us. And I don't regret that life for one second. I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Amen. We're going to end with a collective prayer. I have prayer teams here and left and right. Encourage you to step out and pray with them. But we're going to end with this one collective prayer. We're all going to pray this together. And that's these words. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. So I'm going to count to three. And we're all going to say this together. We may say it a few times, okay? All right, so ready? One, two, three. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Again, Holy Spirit... You are welcome here. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for who you are and for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that you speak to us, that you challenge us, that you call us out, Lord God, that you invite us into a a relationship with you that's not limited to our own abilities, it's not limited to to our own ingenuity, to our own wisdom, God, but that you could give us wisdom that's from above through the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we just stand here open and ready and willing Pour your spirit out in our lives. Speak to us. Challenge us, we pray. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.